Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. Have you ever had an idea or a dream but have simply just not known where to begin? My next guest has done a lot of things with his life. He's got an incredible story and he's a go-getter. He's the kind of person that decides he wants to do something and he throws himself in 1000% and he does it. And it's led to him starting up multiple businesses, charities, getting involved in many speaking initiatives and many, many more things you'll learn about in the interview. I took so much out of it because it's just a reminder to all of us to think less and do more a lot of the time. Chris Hall is an entrepreneur, keynote speaker, stress reduction and cultural change expert, mental health campaigner, and he is the founder of The Burnt Chef Project, a non-profit business tackling mental health issues in the hospitality industry. Thanks again for supporting Move Your Mind. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to moveyourmind.me and you can join the Move Your Mind community and you can buy the Move Your Mind book by going to nickbrax.com book. And finally, you can now also purchase Underbrax. We're donating a portion to mental health and you can find that at www.underbrax.com. Two o'clock, 10 past two in the afternoon. So as I say, I've just, um, I've been in an absolute funk for the last two weeks. Like I've proper and utterly driven myself into the ground you know you notice it uh, a long time before you actually change your behaviors don't you so like you start seeing things like oh do you know what i'm not going to eat any fruit and veg now i'm going to you know smash down a pizza or i'm going to drink a couple of bottle of beers on a tuesday night because well life is tough and it's okay and then and people go to you you're right you don't seem to use yourself and like yeah fine just really busy and you think fuck, I should do something about this. This is like the early stages that we talk about to people about and you go, I should definitely do something about this. And then you don't, and you push through it for another two or three weeks. And then you notice that your thought pattern starts to change and you start going, oh God, today's a really bad day. Oh, it's really awful. It's really, I just, I just can't cope. And you start, you listen and you're almost like third party listening to your internal monologue. And then you go for do something like a bit of exercise. Like today, I had to force myself to do some exercise because I've got um, a fundraising challenge coming up in two weeks. And as soon as I, I sat on the side of this pool after doing 1.5K, and I looked at my watch, I was like, bloody hell, I've still got it. Four weeks out, uh, eight weeks out, sorry. I said, I've still, I've still got it. I still have got a decent time. That felt really good. I feel really good. And you just notice within that short moment, 30 minutes of exercise, you go, shit. I shot myself in the foot for the last eight weeks because I haven't been looking after myself. So yeah, a big, big paradigm shift, a perception tilt for me today. Massive. It it makes well, you only uh, it makes such a difference. <laughs> <laughs> only asking you what time, but I think that's a good good way to kick this this podcast off. I mean, like what what you're talking about there. I'm you know personally facing such a similar thing, and it's so crazy because I've you know, been in the mental health space for over 10 years. And I try and talk openly about this as well, because I'm running this, you know, mental health organization. I'm trying to do as much as I can in that area, but then your own mental health falls by the wayside half the time and you're trying to catch up and find balance. And, you know, I'll exercise for me is the biggest thing that I have to do every day, but then I'll, I've developed, you know, other coping mechanisms where I'll be so exhausted and just wanting some time out that I'll put on Netflix and go buy a bag of Doritos and, you know, soft drink and end up being up till two in the morning when I, when I need sleep. And and then I wake up the next day and you're like, what the hell have I done? And then you're even more behind and you're burying your head in the sand because you've just got so much to do and you, and you've got to just, you know, listen to, it's listening to your own advice sometimes, but it's hard to do because we're all human, you know? And I think it's actually really important that everyone 
talks about it in that way and doesn't put on the facade that, no, I've got it all together, you know, because people want to, that's why I think doing these podcasts are so important. Like people want to hear stories that are relatable, you know, human stories that they can, you know, apply to their own life. Yeah. Do you find though, like, is it's a bit of a strange thing though, because you stand up in front of, you know, 50, 60, a hundred people and you say to them, look guys, you know, I'm here to talk to you about mental health, but in all honesty, let's, let's dispel some stigma now. I'm not in a good way myself because these are the reasons and this is what has led me there. And do you find that people go, well, this guy's no good if he's talking to us about <laughs> mental health and he's not practicing what he preaches. And I'm like, no, you're missing the point. I'm human, right? I'm not, not infallible. Do you, do you get that? Do you find that there's some naysayers out there who go, I'm not leading by example. I think, you know, there's always going to be naysayers. Yeah, exactly. And I've had, I've had any, anything you can imagine happen, you know, I've done, over a thousand talks in the last 10 years and any anything possible has has happened but i think in general people actually find it refreshing when you stand up there and you know you be self-deprecating you you, you're honest and for me that really has been the core thing even with with my business now the core of it really is about doing you know just showing vulnerability and breaking things down to the a simple form and I think I've just always tried to be clear with myself and with you know what we do that hey I'm I'm not I'm not the expert here I'm just I'm the facilitator I'm just the guy you know going and you know having these conversations and doing the talks but behind that you know that's where we've got experts and you know different information and there's no and I think it's part of the conversation as well that you know there's no one size fits all this is not about saying, hey, here's a magic formula or I've got the this, you know, six-week program that this is the one that heals everyone and if you do this, you know, ignore everything else. So you know, I think when you hear that, you should run a million miles. That's like the biggest crock of shit, <laughs> um, which I don't know yeah, what right. your views are on, on, on that, but, yeah, that's my view. Well, yes, yeah, it's, it's the same as my views on dieting. Like, you know, no matter how much you dress up, this fucking 90 day plan that says you will be guaranteed to lose weight <laughs> if you follow this simple step. And you think you look back and you look, you just have to look at what is it that your body needs to survive on a daily basis? What are you consuming? What are you burning? Are you in deficit? No, you're not going to lose weight. Like you can dress it up. Like you have to wear, you have to dress up as an elf and run around in circles three times whilst eating a single carrot diet whatever you want to call it but ultimately the concept still remains the same which is burn more than you consume and again that's unique for each individual just because it says on the back of packets that the normal adult should consume 2000 calories a day if i consume 2000 calories a day i get fat and the only way you're going to learn that is either by paying a professional to work out exactly what you need to consume or trial and error yourself and i know that if i eat carbs and I eat more than about 1,700 calories a day, I gain weight. With my lifestyle currently, with my lack of exercise and other bits and bobs, that's probably going to be I need even less calories a day. So it's the same with mental health. And I think, in fact, actually, it's probably yep. more complicated with mental health because obesity is, whilst unique to each individual in terms of how they got to that point, the concept is still very fairly similar in my in my understanding in my lack of you know understanding in terms of physical biology but when it comes to mental illness and I was having this conversation the other day with someone about depression and saying the same person and, and myself included can experience depression multiple times in their life and each time there are some similarities but completely different ends of the spectrum I mean and that's the thing. I think that's the thing that we really need to be mindful of within the mental health space. And, and anyone who's looking at providing support for those who are experiencing difficulty is you might think you know what they're going through and it might be something similar to what you've been going through before. But this is unique to them and it could be completely different in many ways. So often enough, we do it for the nice, nice reasons. Right. We try and help people by saying, oh, I've been through that. I know what you're going through. But it's not those words that people want to hear. It's the level of empathy that you can feel and go, yeah, I, I get it must be shit for you. But what can I do? How can I help? What is it like for you? And do you want to talk about it? 100%. I think that's a, such an important point because, you know, the last 
think someone in that position wants to be heard is just, oh no, you'll be all right. Just push through, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll get there. And, you know, not being heard, it, it is really, it's, it makes you feel more lonely and more helpless because, you know, it's really at the core. It is, we want to be heard. And I think what you're saying spot on, you know, empathy is so important. I think there's not enough empathy in the, in the world. And, and, and I think you, a lot of the time you only really gain that. I know from my own perspective, I think the biggest, gift I've been given is going through hardship, having these mental health difficulties and having to, you know, get to certain points where you felt like there was no hope and you didn't know what to do. And I've really burnt that into my own mind for whenever I'm, you know, hearing about someone else and what they're going through, you, you can remind yourself, hey, you know, I remember what I felt like when I went through that. So this person, you know, I can't even imagine what they're going through, but, you know, it's not it's not pleasant. And you know, they, they need support and they need to be heard. And, you know, I think it's so important that we just remind ourselves of those, those points that you're talking about. Yes, usually. I tend to, um, and, and just talking to you and hearing, hearing your experience on that is, is prompted a thought into my head, which is, I mean, I often talk to people about mental illness as being some kind of superpower, right? And we know that the mental health, uh, mental health exists on a continuum. So you can move up and down that continuum at any different points in your life. And it could just be something that happens on a daily basis, or it could be something that happens throughout a lifetime or, you know, and there's many things that impact that. But isn't it interesting how you only really truly know yourself once you've experienced that a bigger, bigger deal, not necessarily, I mean, I wouldn't wish a crisis upon anyone, but once you've experienced that broad spectrum of that scale then you can actually really truly understand your not just for your full potential but also you know where your limits are right oh totally i was i've been having you know this conversation so much lately and i guess like yeah that i think it it's what you said where you wouldn't want to go through these things again and you wouldn't wish it on other people but at the same time you know, going through pain, going through dark times, having, you know, reaching points in your life where you feel so helpless that you're questioning every single thing and, you know, you're breaking down everything around you and you're trying to question your your existence, you know, what's my purpose? And you have to look so deep uh, that you come out of it and you actually find, okay, I, I now know what I really do care about and, you know, what's who I am and what's important. Um, so you can't, well, I think it's very hard to reach that without going through it. Uh, and I think that's probably a problem in, you know, society today where we're taught to go for the quick fix. We're taught to, you know, instant gratification and we've got all these social media platforms and we're comparing ourselves to other people and looking for the easy option or, you know, the instant option, which which doesn't exist. And even if it did exist, you're missing the point. You know, you're not really going through it, but it's it's a tricky thing. Um, but yeah, I guess like, would you say you, you've got a similar a view on that? And I guess that's what you were sort of just saying then, but I think it's just such an interesting topic because I think that's what life is, you know, it's not about just being comfortable and happy all the time. You know, the word happy is misused. It's about, we grow through hardship. Yeah. Right. I, I, I completely resonate with that. And, um, so I was, I, I'm uh, an entrepreneur, so I, the Burnt Chef Project is, is one of the um, businesses that I own, but I own a, a couple of other businesses as well. And um, for one of the one of the new businesses I've opened up, I was looking at some land, and it just so happens that the lady, a friend of mine who owns the land, is a professor of criminal psychology. And I stood in the field talking to her, um, and we started talking, obviously, about psychology and the human brain and mental health. And she was saying to me, she said, such a curious thing has happened over the last sort of five or 10 years. She said, once upon a time, if one of my students was writing an assessment, they would either come to me and verbally speak to me, or they would go to a library or they would find and, and, and search for the information themselves on a particular subject matter. But then she said, it's so different now, she said, I get an email from pretty much all of my students asking me to clarify a particular thing or for an answer on a particular question. And she said she didn't realize up until recently that a lot of her other students had been not only emailing her for the answer, 
but they've been spreading that same email across all of the professors within that department in order to be able to get the quickest response fastest wow. basically to be able to get that response from multiple sources and whoever came first passed through first wins and that was such an interesting insight into the psychology of human beings now is that we have been bred i don't know what the catalyst is but we have been bred to learn to, for instant gratification it's that red pill that will make you thinner it's that blue pill that will cure your mm. mental health issues it's this pill and we see it with cryptocurrencies you know invest 400,000 pounds into bitcoin you're going to end up wealthy and that's the reason why all of these instagram accounts are getting now hacked and taken over by someone in some some part godforsaken part of the world who's now trying to swindle people out of money because people aren't prepared to work hard to get where they need to be and as a result of that it's impacting our levels of resilience and we are seeing it much much more in the students and the younger generations that we work with now they just don't have any coping mechanisms or resilience built in place because they're not having to work and it's so it's frightening to be honest i don't know where it's going to end up i honestly mm -hmm. don't know mm -hmm. like short of boycotting technology we seem to be on a very slippery slope right 100%. You know, I, I, I think it's terrifying. It's, it's unprecedented. We don't, we don't know, like you're saying, we don't know where it's going to end. And that's where you get resilience from. You've got to go through things and you got to, you know, you, you try things and you go through hardships and you learn. And yeah, because of the nature of, of what you're talking about, it, it is it's really, really difficult to know where it's going to go. And I don't, it's hard to see it changing anytime soon as well, because things, if anything, it's, sort of swaying the other way where it's just we're getting more it's go, going more crazy and so i think something i think it will change and i think you know the fact that we've got people like you doing what you're doing in the world is such an important thing and there's so much more of this happening now but it's got you know such a long way to go um and i guess before we go any further as well it'd be great um if just for our listeners could we could you could you give a bit of a background on on yourself and um just how you came to be doing you know what you're doing now and and just what the burnt chef project is which we'll we'll delve more into yeah certainly so um i'm a 35 year old white male in uh the south of england and i have been well ever since the age of so we talk about resilience right ever since the age of 12 years old i've been working um I had a, a paper round that was seven days a week that I never took any time off for like two years, you know, all weathers, delivering papers 45 minutes a day. Um, and I eventually ended up finding myself into sales and market, marketing positions. So <laughs> I went from a paper round to working in news agents to helping manage the news agents. Um, and long story short, I've ended up having a career in sales and marketing um, across multiple sectors, including the travel industry, the insurance industry, uh, call centers, mechanical engineering, you name it. And I've basically been in charge of making people money, um, building their business for them, which is, which, is, which is great. It's a really fascinating career. But um, I felt, well, I guess, I mean, I, when it comes to where I am currently in the Burnt Chef project is I first experienced uh, mental illness when I was in my mid-teens, mid to late teens. Uh, and some strange reason I was contemplating the theory of life, the universe and everything. And I didn't come up with the answer um, <laughs> straight away. Um, however, I did realize there wasn't much much point in me being around i don't know why i came to that conclusion uh, i suddenly just decided whether that was hormones whether that was um the situation i was in in terms of friendship groups but i decided there was no point to life uh, and the more i focused on that the deeper into a depression i slipped until the point i stopped i stopped going outside i stopped conversing i stopped eating well um and i just seemed to spend my existence waking up every day wishing i hadn't and in constant turmoil but 
back then I didn't know what it was. Um, I had no idea. And, and obviously when I was 17, I was still, you know, I was working and I was, you know, just trying to do what I could do. Um, but I ended up taking six months out of work because I just wasn't able to do anything. And yeah, I had no idea. I just thought I was a moody teenager. So I managed to crawl out of that, that, that pit, that black hole, um, without any medical supervision or without really being able to coherently explain what was going on with me um, by pushing myself into situations that felt deeply uncomfortable. So starting to, you know, throw myself into, I was a terrible introvert. I was the guy who'd come to a party and sit in the dark corner of the room, hoping it'd be over. Um, So I started getting up and Mm -hmm. talking to people and I started pushing myself into uncomfortable situations, which was incredibly anxiety, um, producing but what i did find was that actually that that push pull mechanism started to slowly meant that i was looking further than net you know that evening i was then looking forward to the next day and trying to get through that day as opposed to dreading it then i started looking forward to weekends and over time my my scope of my horizon started to to develop um and generally i started to push back that depression i was in so that was, I guess, my first experience of mental illness. And I ended up having a great career in sales and marketing. Um, but all the time uh, I struggled with finances. So again, you know, we talk about things that can ment- uh, impact your mental health. Um, being in thousands of pounds worth of debt because I didn't understand, I was quite an impulsive teenager. Um, but yeah, that, that has a knock-on effect as well. So I took up a job uh, working in bars and nightclubs down in Bournemouth and I loved that, you know, (laughs) not the greatest career for someone who is in debt, uh, surrounded by drugs and alcohol (laughs) late late nights uh, with quite an impulsive nature. So definitely whilst it got me out of the house and it earned earned some money to put, put away, I ended up spending quite a bit, but I loved it. I absolutely loved the bars. I loved doing, you know, working a full-time job, finishing at five in the afternoon, going to start another job at six and then finishing at three. Like it was tiring. It was hard graft, but I love that buzz that, that just, I don't know, something about it. Anyway, managed to climb Mm. out, climb out of debt, um, started moving up the, the career path, uh, and then ended up being a sort of a sales manager for a food wholesaler. I fell into the food industry when I moved up to to a place in, called Somerset in England. And I, I bloody, I was a fish out of water. I was a sales professional. I, you know, it was top of my game. I was always prided myself on being a great salesman. And my first job was to walk into a kitchen and introduce myself to a chef. <laughs> and for anyone <laughs> who's ever worked in hospitality in a fine dining restaurant, Bloody hell. I walked in there, Mr. Mr. You know, Billy Big Balls. All right, chef, how's it going? What's going on? And I could just see all of the chef's staff look at me with fear in their eyes, like almost like, you know, it's like a scene from one of those Pixar films where they look at something that's about to get eaten. They're like, no, run away. Don't do it. Um, so this chef comes towards me. He says, what the F are you doing in my kitchen? And I was like, oh, I'm, don't you know? Don't be like that. I'm here to introduce myself. Still trying to worm my way out of it. He was like, "It's service time. You don't ever walk into my kitchen again." And he literally manhandled me out the kitchen. And I was like, "Fuck! I've never experienced anything quite like <laughs> this in all my years of being in sales. This is mental." And yet, there was something about it that just got under my skin. I loved it. I loved that that decorum, that that pride, that you know the just the precision and I ended up working in food wholesale for 10 years. Anyway, I don't, I I go on, but that for me was my first entry into full-time into full-time food. Now, unbeknown to me, I'd been carrying um, a weight of my first depression uh, all that time. And it ended up rearing its ugly head when I was in my late twenties and it started fracturing relationships, impacting my performance and just really, yeah, completely and utterly changing my thought process quite negatively. Um, and so I went for the first time to get professional help. But when I went to 
get help. Uh, the NHS over here were already starting to feel overwhelmed. This was, what, five, six years ago, and the waiting list was pretty long. So I went on to incognito mode on my phone so that my wife didn't see. I went and found myself a therapist. And then I snuck off. I booked fake appointments in my diary so that my boss didn't know that I was out of the office. And I went to go and see a therapist just before going in, double checking to make sure that no one was watching me. No one that I knew saw that I was going into this this therapist's office. And so I sit down with her and I explain what I was going through. And, and after, you know, I was quite lucky after about three months, I managed to start on my road to recovery. Um, and then I spent the next two years just trying to establish myself and working a lot on what my core values were and what I wanted from life. And then that it really, as a very long story, is where the Burnt Chef Project came in. I was looking at my friends, my clients, my peers within the industry and going, why are less people coming into this trade? Why are more people, mm. why are you trying to retire at 34 years old? And they were all saying similar things. They were saying, oh, well, why would you want to work in this industry? It's long hours. You don't get any thanks. The pay's terrible. You know, I, I'm having to drink to help myself sleep. I'm divorced, all of this sort of story. And I was like, yeah, I get it. I've, I've worked in this industry myself, but what can we do to change it? And the same thing kept coming back to me from all my mates. They were like, there's nothing that will change this. Like, it is what it is. It's just the way things have been and always will be. So just move on, save yourself. Don't worry about this. And I said, no, I think I think there's something we can do about this. So I started taking some black and white photographs. So the, the big glaring, for those who can see, there's a big glaring face behind me covering up my messy storeroom. And uh, the black and white photos were just to demonstrate that more goes on behind the scenes than you might think. And to try and raise a little bit of awareness for the fact that we've all got stuff going on inside our head, but we don't talk about it. And it's important to talk about it, And which was one of the main issues that I had, that, that fear and that shame and that stigma that's, that stopped me from being able to ask for help. And so that was that, really. I was doing my photography. I was taking photos of chefs. Uh, they were contacting me through social media saying, look, can you come and take photos of me? I've got a story to tell. I want to, I want to you know, show my support for what you're doing. And it was only ever designed to be a photography campaign. Anyway, wow. fast forward, fast forward nine months and I do a talk for 60 people in Bournemouth on the South coast of England. Um, then we started selling merchandise to raise more awareness and start a conversation going. Um, and that just, that just, blew the conversation, blew the awareness wide open. We had people all over the world purchasing merchandise to help support the work. And we were using those funds then to pay for mental health training. And so we had, you know, the exec chef of the Tokyo embassy wearing a fuck stigma t-shirt. We had people contacting us from Canada, New York, Chicago, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand. And of course, England all saying we're behind this. We don't know where it's going, but we have a story to tell and we want to support this. So, yeah, that it, that really is a really long, drawn out, drawn out version. But that was where the Burnt Chef project started. It started off as an awareness campaign from personal experience. And now to date, we have covered, well, we've provided training in 117 countries for free by our e-learning platform. We've provided support for thousands uh, across the world, whether that's through our 24-hour text-based support service in the UK or the one that's coming in Canada and America soon, or through our peer support network that we've developed and designed um, with 120 ambassadors worldwide. So we are now, I don't know, a beacon of hope. Like if you're struggling with your mental health, we're here for you. If you want to learn more about how to to look after your health, we're here for you. If you're an employer who doesn't really understand the cost implications of burnout and presenteeism, we've got that data. We can provide you with training to help address that and we can provide you with support mechanisms so that your team are then looking after their health better and that you're there to be looked after as well. So we are, we've just become in the last three years, just 
I don't know. It's it, I still I can't get my head around it. It's still absolutely bonkers. But that in that in essence is where the Burnt Chef project came from three years ago. Thank you so much for supporting Move Your Mind. We're expanding the offerings of the organization and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in. The book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com book. And we've just released the Move Your Mind community. We've currently got a men's community group, a women's community group, a general group. We're going to be lo- loading up other groups and you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me. This group's been created based on the needs of what we've heard and learnt throughout running Move Your Mind. And we have live events, we've got courses, we've got huge amounts of value, the ability to share information, share ideas, work in groups together to, to grow and share your learnings, to learn about different topics. You get email reminders. There's a whole lot of features in there. We're constantly updating it. And we're so excited to share it with you. You can find all of the information about it at moveyourmind.me. Mate, well, yeah, thank you so much for sharing the story. And I mean, so many things in that, but an incredible story. And it is amazing to hear, I was saying it to you at the at the beginning, um, or when we were first chatting, like just it's crazy that in such a short amount of time, you've been able to grow this movement and reach so many people and it's just it's it's insane and a credit to you and you know what you guys are doing because it's so needed and industries like hospitality so underserviced in mental health and you know i I equate it to sort of i'm i work in the entertainment industry and i've just seen firsthand you know how shocking you know anxiety depression um Serve and and just the lack of support for for people in these industries is it, it it's horrific and it's not talked about enough and it's swept under the the carpet and you know I think hospitality feels like it's the same thing from you know what I've seen and heard and I think it's just you know you've started a movement that's so needed and and on on a personal level just quickly with your story I was I was just sitting there listening to that and I was like I relate so much with just the whole thing what what you were saying you know for me it was. I was incredibly introverted, questioned everything, went through depression, couldn't find meaning, you know, was becoming nihilistic. Um, originally wanted to be an athlete, couldn't do that, didn't know what I wanted to do. And then eventually by working on myself um, and and getting getting help and again, feeling, you know, embarrassed and trying to hide that from people. Um, once I did get on track and start finding what I wanted to do, I, wanted, I was like, I want to share this message and talk to people about it. And it sort of led to me then going on you know, the path that I've gone on of starting up different businesses, falling into the mental health work, developing a career in in acting that, you know, I wouldn't have found that passion if I hadn't had to go through the speaking and overcome all these issues. And anyway, just long story short, I very much related to what you were saying. And, um, and I think, again, you know, listening to your personal story, it's an example of, you know, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. You know, you've got to if you sit there and just question everything um, and don't actually do anything and just take that step first step, you know, when we're not going to find that thing we're meant to do. And, you know, by taking the initial steps, it might not be in the exact direction, but if you just do things and keep moving, it is going to eventually lead to, you know, the path that we um, are meant to be on. So it's like, it, it's just about sort of trial and error and, you know, pushing forward and, and just realizing that the, This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's no such thing as perfect or right or wrong. It's all about just what can I do today? I loved what you were saying about just simplifying it. Okay, today, what am I going to do? What, what about tomorrow? What about the weekend? And instead of, you know, we get so bogged down in thinking big picture, but you know, am I going to make the right or wrong move and paranoia about what about the future and this and that's like, well, I don't know. No one freaking knows, you know? So it's anyway. Yeah. 
love love the story. Well, I think you've touched upon a really interesting point, though, isn't it? And there's two things upon reflection that I've learned from that. And it is the fact that we can spend a lot of time questioning our motives and the way that we, we view life. And you can really drive yourself into the ground with that. And unfortunately, if you are experiencing mental illness and you're already on that road, then biologically your brain is is wired to to get on that that hamster wheel of negativity and for me i was quite lucky you know i had i had self-harmed um not extremely i definitely had thoughts uh that were i wouldn't say i was suicidal but i was definitely questioning the point of me being around anymore and I don't know what the catalyst was, but I just, after lying in bed for days on end, I just thought, fuck this. I cannot live right. like this anymore. I have to do something. And with that, I don't know. I found the smallest bit of energy just to roll out of bed, brush my teeth, do my hair, which again, for anyone who can see me, I usually have my hair done every day just because i i look like a completely different person without it done and today is one of those days where i look like a scarecrow um Mate, you're I looking good bed, you're looking good <laughs> oh stop it stop it well we'll, but, we'll let out you know, it was just do, that small... do a little poll on you know what they think <laughs> yeah well go on Sorry, the voice yeah. only but um <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um i just found enough energy to be able to brush my teeth, look after my appearance a little bit, and then I was done for that day. You know, Then the next day I forced myself to go for a walk or started investing time into just trying to build structure. And I think that's the hardest. It, listen, I'm not trying to make this sound easy. It took me two years of, of structural behaviors to dig myself out of depression. I think the average on, on, on a normal time of scale is about six months, I believe, from what I was chatting to, to a psychologist mm. about. But I built myself a habit. I built myself a structure. And I just took the sting out of the tail. I took the emotion out of it and just like, I need to perform this. I need to. And I was only 17. I mean, Christ, I'm not a qualified psychologist or a sports athlete, et cetera. You know, I didn't, I didn't know. But something inherently within me said, like, Chris, you've just got to take one step in front of the other and just keep moving. And I was lucky to climb out of that depression, um, really, because it was, you know, insomnia, it was hallucin hallucin hallucinogenic, not hallucinogenics, but hallucinating, uh, you know, from lack of sleep. It was, it was horrible. So I was very, very lucky with that. But I think the key thing that I've learned from, from that experience and since, um, my most recent experience and then starting the burnt chef project is that you have to trust your gut instinct. And that's not saying that your gut instinct is always going to end up being the right decision. It's going to end up getting you into difficulty. But when I think back to when I was 16, 17 and the feeling that sort of started to sink me into this, this, you know, give me this experience of, of mental illness was I was swallowing who I was. I've, I remember something within me at that particular time when I was questioning everything, I thought I'm going to have to pretend I'm going to have to be the player in a game in order to be able to get by. And to do that, I'm going to have to completely change who I am. And I knew then it's like eating something that's poisonous. You knew it's going to be bad for you. But you just didn't know when it was going to come back up. And that then really, I think that was then that that was one of the catalysts as well as that sort of that thought process that that put me in. And now that I'm older, you know, in my mid 30s, I don't ever question my gut and life life. Yeah, I get things wrong. Well, I mean, fuck, I make mistakes, massive mistakes. But if I follow my gut instinct and I'm not trying to suppress who I am, I can do so in a healthier way. Yep. I think it's um, a, such an important point. And, 
if we, I think we all, everyone knows that feeling when you don't, when you ignore your gut at sort of this, you feel like you're eating yourself alive. Like you can, you can push against it, but it doesn't make you, it doesn't feel right. It feels fundamentally something's off and that's what leads to burnout and unhappiness. And um, it, it just, I think we all know that feeling, but we've got to trust in it. And, and, and like you said, it's like, sometimes it does lead to maybe things still won't work or won't go exactly how we planned. But if you feel like you're being true and authentic to yourself, that's how you build your self-esteem and you can really, you know, look yourself in the mirror and just feel proud of, you know, who you are and what you're doing. And it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. I think, you know, we need to understand that we're all enough already before we achieve or do any of these different things. We are at the core enough and society's told us that we need to be all these other things and do all these things to be accepted, but you don't, you know, and everyone does have different situations they're dealing with, of course, and some more difficult than others, but we've got to just look at, okay, well, what, what is the practical thing, you know, available uh, to me right now? And, and I think, you know, simplifying it a lot of the time as well, like, you know, for, for me, you know, even in like the current stage I'm at, I'll have days where I'm overwhelmed or you, you know, going on a tangent thinking, and then it, it is just breaking it back down to like what you were talking about before. Okay. What's, what's the practical thing I can just do today? Even, even one thing, even when you go back to those simple things, like, you know, brushing your teeth and do it. it's crazy when, you know, you are overwhelmed, you just break it down, simplify. Okay. I'm going to send one email. I'm going to do one thing. And then very quickly you go and sort out a whole lot of things and you feel a lot better. So it's just, I think not being so caught up in that in that loop that we can you know get get fixated on. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Though the way that the brain changes when you're you're on that slope, right? You know that you're not looking after yourself. You know that it's probably going to end up end up perhaps having a, a detrimental impact on your performance or your health or your relationships. Yet your brain almost says to you. You've got no time for any of that healthy coping mechanisms. You carry on just fumbling along like you do. It's it's uh, it, the brain is a funny old thing, right? In the way it does that to you. It is. It, it really is. It, it's um, yeah. It it it's a never ending sort of process. But um, one one of the things I was going to ask you was um, with I guess where you're at now, and you were saying, you know you're doing the burnt chef project you're an entrepreneur you've got other businesses you've you know you've probably got a, a multitude of things you're you're managing every day how do you i mean maybe balance isn't the right word but how do you you know try and make that all work while still you know looking after yourself and managing that and and also i think you know another question i have as as part of that again just from my own personal experience i'm a you know super competitive ambitious person and got into the mental health work and, you know, have my own other business interest and things I'm doing. And it, it'll fluctuate from always doing it for the right reason, I believe, but then also sometimes getting so competitive and pushing and, you know, not knowing how to find balance because you're always, you know, wanting to just do more. Hey, anyway, yeah, I don't know. I'm just interested in, in your experience on on that. God, it's so nice to speak to someone who um, who – yeah, you you get it right, and I I would love to explore at some stage in more detail the psychology of ambitious ambitious individuals because I was never like this. I, I was a salesperson. I was very competitive. <laughs> I liked being, you know, I liked being on on top. Right. I liked I liked praise. I guess praise and rewards. I, you know, perhaps it stems from my childhood, but for me. I just, I'm in my flow state when I'm following my gut. I've discovered, I, I, I missed a major part of my developmental process where I didn't really establish who I was when I should have done in my adolescence. And so now I've established who I am, what my core foundational um, pillars are. But I've got all of this experience in building businesses for other people. So I absolutely love putting all of that and testing its limits and expanding my horizons and knowing that if I don't know something today, I could know it in three years time, for example, or tomorrow. And so that for me keeps me firing 
on all cylinders. That is my, that's my nourishment. That's my food. That's my fuel source. However, it's also my drug and it's my Achilles heel. And I'm very much a number of times in the last few years been like Icarus and, you know, look at me, I'm flying. Aren't I amazing? Oh shit. I've flown too close to the sun and my wings are on fire. And then you come crashing down to earth <laughs> with a bump. So I'm probably whilst I train hundreds of people on a yearly basis about, you know, healthy structures, good coping mechanisms, you know, things like journaling, like mindfulness, all of these really important things that you should and must build into part of your daily routine. We have to acknowledge that we are human and there are distractions. And sometimes, you know, just from psychology, your brain just tells you that they're not important and to focus on work, especially with burnout that sometimes we're not very good at looking after ourselves. And I'm a prime example of that. As I said at, at, at the beginning, I've just been swimming. I used to swim three times a week. I used to play rugby. I've just been swimming for the first time in eight weeks. And I don't play with rugby anymore because of a, an injured shoulder that I'm waiting for an operation on. And I have given myself permission to drink more alcohol and to eat more poor foods. So... What I'm trying to say is I think that as ambitious people, as competitive people, as you know, entrepreneurs, as, as you know, those who are in certainly the social enterprise or the not-for-profit sphere, we want to do good. That drives our ambition. We want to help as many people as possible. And that makes us feel fulfilled and content and driven. However, I don't think I've ever met one person in the mental health sphere, anyone from either local charities or whatever it might be, who has turned around to me and said, do you know what, Chris? I'm perfectly mentally healthy as well. I, I don't, I don't know. And that might be because of my lack of discipline. Maybe that might be something I have to work on as I get older, but, uh, it's hard. It, it is hard to try and manage everything, all of your responsibilities, all of your jobs, all of your ambitions. And I think the, the hardest thing is saying no and, and being, adult or responsible enough to be able to say do you know what i'm can't launch that business i can't do another talk i can't travel five hours up country for an hour's meeting and five hours back again i don't have capacity i need to do something for me and that's hard it's a 10-year anniversary of underbracks and we've relaunched with the classic white pair We've also got new styles coming out super soon. We're donating a dollar from every pair to mental health, currently to one in five. You can find all of this at www.underbracks.com. That's the hardest, I think. Yeah, saying saying no when you're ambitious is is not. It's not in your DNA, is it? It's like I I just I that's my that's my Achilles heel for sure. It's just wanting wanting to do everything, always underestimating how much you actually can do not being able to accept that there is actually only you know a finite amount of time in a day and you've got to allocate that properly i don't like that reality but um you know you learn okay we have to we have to deal with that and that's just it's a practicality unfortunately that we, um, we can't get around all the time it's i think it's you know what I, my ego I have no ego when it comes to the Burnt Chef project. Like, if people could say, yeah, I mean, we've, we've got fantastic ambassadors. Lara, who I know you was one of your guests who kindly introduced us, brilliant individual. And all of our ambassadors are doing amazing things to help propel this forward. And at any particular point, you know, I've even put a board of non execs in place so that if I was to get hit by a bus tomorrow or I wasn't able to do this, this still continues to exist. It still continues to propel itself forward. I'm perfectly okay with that but what does tickle tickle my ego is when people say to me how have you managed to run three businesses and you've only got 24 hours in the day and you go oh yeah that felt good yeah i'm do you know what yeah i can do this and i think that there is what's really fucking me up because i like that praise i like that yes i can do it mm -hmm. but i think just i need to curb that i need to change that 
And what I would like to do at some stage is get to the point, Nick, where we can go, you know, individuals like yourself and I, I, we're not starting our fourth, fifth, sixth business. We're helping other people. We're providing them with that confidence and that platform and that, that, I don't know, that, that taste for, okay, I'm not in a box. I don't have to wait for something to be handed to me. I can create forward momentum. I don't know how, but you can do it and you can help me. And I think that perhaps will help curb this whole ego that's getting me into a, a bit of a pickle with my own health. I think it, yeah, well, that that self-awareness, I think being able to talk about it and be aware is so important. I've got so many friends that are, you know, super successful entrepreneurs and doing business after business. And a lot of them won't acknowledge that. And, you know, they're getting results, but you can see that they're, they're never present. They're not able to, you know, and again, no, not trying to judge anything. And I do it myself with so many different things. And I do it, you know, at, at the moment, I'm in a period where I need to completely reel things back. But I think having the awareness about it, you know, my, I don't think we, people like uh, that sort of personality type will ever find complete balance. But I think the awareness of it to then be able to find, you know, a, a healthy way to move forward in that way is, is so important. So I think, uh, you know, the message there is just, Again, you know, self-awareness, being able to talk about these things and understand yourself and find the best way that we can all all manage ourselves. Um, and b- before we finish up, I just want to quickly um, go back to the, the Burnt Chef project and um, just, I guess, find out a little bit more ab- about that and, and, and also, you know, learn where we can send our listeners and we'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, but I guess one, one thing I was interested in was statistically in, in that industry and with chefs and other people in hospitality, is, is, there, is it statistically higher mental health and anxiety and related issues? Yeah, massively. Um, so one thing we are very good at in hospitality is we are very passionate, driven individuals. We wear our hearts on our sleeves. We want to make sure the guests have the best experience and that nothing less than perfection is settled for so you know we we are very good at making emotionally driven decisions and one thing i was very conscious of having worked in managerial positions having worked for corporates is that i wanted to take a data-driven approach to something that is intangible right we know it's having an impact it's not like a broken leg we can't go and get it visibly seen to so one of the very first surveys we did which i still believe and i'm very happy to be corrected if i'm wrong because it would give us more information is the biggest survey in hospitality or mental health it was close to 1300 respondents that we got from front of house and back of house and management and the data was staggering it it showed that four out of five hospitality professionals that had completed the questionnaire had experienced at least one mental illness during their career. Now, for clarification purposes, this doesn't oh. necessarily mean that it is a professionally diagnosed, but it's enough for people to know that they've not been well. And that that like eighty four percent of people that is that's just it's bonkers when you look at our you know look at the isn't it like what is it one in they say one in four people are likely to experience a mental health issue during their lifetime and yeah in our industry it's it's four out of five and you just think jesus so when we started working towards that and we started to working towards like the, the chunking down on that information and find out exactly what was going on we started to establish some and not all, but some of the root causes that we were experiencing as an industry. And that was, yeah, that was the interesting bit. Things like the skill gap shortage, uh, you know, there's a massive turnover in hospitality, about 135% uh, turnover rates. Uh, And in fact, some businesses that we work with, they've targeted their managerial staff to 125% turnover. Now, to put that into some context for those who perhaps don't work in managerial work in hospitality we're saying you've got a team of 100 mr manager or mrs manager in order for you to hit your target you have to lose 100 people 
plus another 25, and then you'll reach your target. Now, this isn't an incentive to drive people out of the business. No, no, not at all. This is an incentive to reduce that turnover rate from whatever it was before, 150, 160%. And that isn't a singular example. That is a common example, or at least you know, a few years ago it was. So skill gap shortage as a result of that. There's a lot of people in the industry who haven't had managerial training. They haven't had training specific for their role, tests their resilience, puts them under a great deal of pressure. That then exacerbates the levels of stress felt in the organization. It also exacerbates burnout risk for those individuals. And you're in a self-fulfilling prophecy here. It's a complete and utter cycle. So what we try and do now is yes, we erase stigma, we burn away stigma uh, surrounding mental illness, we open up conversations so that people can ask for help. We then provide the support mechanisms in various parts of the world to try and help people who may be struggling, whilst also providing support and training and education to the managers and the business owners in order to try and change the output of this so rather than just taking off a plaster putting some cream on top of a wound and then putting a plaster back on top we're actually going in we're finding out what the issue is with that wound we're providing remedial support and training to fix it so that when it heals back it heals back stronger and that it doesn't keep coming back and so that's where we are currently but one of the most recent studies that we did which is still hasn't been released in the press yet so um we'll your listeners are getting a first hear of this is we did a, a psychological study. So this was a data back study and the data set was about 10,000 in individuals. Um, and this was a study on a restaurant group in the UK, uh, about 141 respondents. And the idea of this study is to accurately predict where the rates of presenteeism, the rates of mental illness are occurring and exactly what is going on underneath the surface. It's like an X-ray look at what's happening in your business from a psychologically, medically backed data set. And again, the stats are just bonkers. So 140 respondents, 59% of them were struggling or in crisis with their mental health. And some of these individuals didn't even know they weren't, they didn't know that they were in struggling or crisis. This is what's been brought up as a result of this survey. One in five employees were at critical risk of burnout with a further one in four at high burnout risk. And the turnover intention, 43% of people within that organization were looking, actively looking one foot out of the door for a new role. And that, that all sounds quite wow. harrowing. That sounds, you know, that data does, doesn't sound great listening, right? But when you put that into monetary terms and when we talk about presenteeism and those individuals who are at work because they don't want to let their team down and they're not well enough to be at work, just from presenteeism alone, it was costing that organization over £70,000 or dollars each month just from people not firing on all cylinders and mm. feeling their best. And when you add in turnover intention into that, that takes it way into a million pounds a year lost in revenue as a result of addressing mental health within workplace. So, you know, that's really where the Burnt Chef project is now. We we're aiming to be that circuit breaker. We're aiming to try and create a psychologically safe workplace whereby individuals can have a long sustained career. They get the right level of support demands. They know their role clarity. They've got good relationships with their managers and their peers, and their managers also have good relationships with their managers and peers and have the right capacity to be able to support their team. And that's really where we find ourselves now. And that was, that was you know, this is all something that we've, we've been working on for a long period of time. But going back to what we were saying at the beginning, again, then you have to make sure that information is relevant to each organization each sub-micro-organization within a greater organization and then relevant to each individual within that organization, which again is completely different depending on where you go, whereabouts in the country, what the culture's like. And so it's now making sure that you're able to identify quickly 
through surveys and data what some of the main fires are and working with that organization to fix them it's really it's really interesting and we're definitely making some fantastic strides forward with some big players that's unbelievable yeah really unbelievable mate and again amazing amazing what you guys are doing and and so needed um so yeah thanks for sharing thank you so much for sharing all of that and before i go into these we finish with five final questions these can be sort of quick answers that come to mind but um yeah just before i go into that where i'll put this all in the show notes and we'll promote this as well but where where can our listeners go if they want to learn more yeah head over to our website i think is the best port of call which is theburntchefproject.com um despite what people are saying we are not uh, a restaurant yet although i tell you what if we did open a restaurant it'll be the best psychologically safe restaurant in the bloody world um yeah but yeah, head over to our website. <laughs> you'll find all the data. Uh, you'll find our surveys. They're there. They're free. You'll get access to our Burnt Chef Academy. Again, that's free. We've got menopause modules, modules on bullying, DNI, breath work, sleep, nutrition, you name it. We have paid. We have built it for free and we provide it to the worldwide hospitality community. Um and there's a whole host of other information on there, our podcast, our, our support mechanisms, our fundraisers. So, yeah, just take a look. And obviously our e-commerce platform, which is where it all started. So we still now export to about 37 countries around the world. Um, and that helps fund our work. It means that we're not solely reliant upon donations and you know, it helps spread the word as well. Fantastic. No, yeah, thank you for that, Mike. Um so the first first of these final questions um, is what what's the best childhood memory that comes to mind? <laughs> it's the first time you've had me speechless in an hour. Um, there we go. Childhood memory. That's a good question. I God, it sounds so cliche now that I think about it, but flying kites with my um mum and dad and my sister uh a windy spot down on the south coast i i thoroughly enjoy there's something quite serene and i guess it's a form of mindfulness just popping a kite up in the air and trying to keep it afloat for as long as possible and i think that's uh yeah we'll use that one i love that one there you go um what what would you say is currently the biggest burden on mental health in society? Oh Christ! Um, if we remove COVID from the subject matter, because that's that's done a number on on everyone, and I think we'll we'll feel that for a lot longer than than we'd like to. Um, I would say the use of digital technology. I would say that we think that we are advanced creatures that rule over this world but we are just the same as other animals in the food chain and i think the sooner we understand that we need to get the further we go away from basics from that challenge of life from eating the right foods the further we are going to disconnect from our our overall health and well-being and i think the sooner we can get back to that the better for all of us really absolutely i i couldn't agree more with with that one what is your personal definition of happiness hmm. this is an interesting one so my personal definition of happiness uh, is on a selfish note feeling content and feeling like i'm maximizing my abilities like i think that for me is my personal definition of happiness but then when I give myself permission to have time off and to focus on the bigger picture, it's ensuring that I don't miss any more of my children growing up because I look back three years ago at videos of them now and they have grown so rapidly that it makes me feel sick every time I look at those videos and it makes me feel guilty that I haven't valued and cherished those moments or given them the time that i should do so for me happiness is involving myself in those moments and and being fully present and committed which is something i should do more of 
I love that answer. It's so so important. Uh, so I've got two more here. Um, what are you most afraid of? Failure. Definitely. I don't want to be recognized. I don't want to be hailed. Uh, that's not my goal here. But I am terrified of everything completely and utterly crumbling and falling apart and just disappearing when I wake up. And that's what keeps me fueled to keep pushing forward, keep with the innovation uh, and potentially damages my damages my health uh, at times as well. So, yeah, failure is something I'm scared of. Can can totally relate to that. And final one, what are you most proud of? I'm proud of, on a personal level, my two children because my eldest is she's just a well-rounded emotionally intelligent human being and she's only 10 years old and every time i look at her i just wished that i was more like her when i was her age and i'm proud of her and my youngest you know completely different kettle of fish very uh, emotionally driven incredibly uh, empathic as well at the same time and i'm very proud of, of, of both of them and how they are growing up on a professional level i'm proud of my team i'm proud of our ambassadors i'm proud of everyone that commits to my initial goal but now our shared goal of trying to create a sustainable industry and without them i would just be a floppy haired blonde guy sat in a really <laughs> untidy room banging a drum um but with them they make the burnt chef project what it is today and that for me is huge i love that well mate thank you so much for being so open and i think i could have kept chatting to you for another two hours and relate to so many of the things you're saying and i've, I've really enjoyed and i know our, our listeners will as well so thanks for making the time love what you're doing and uh would would love to stay in touch Thanks, Nick. You too. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, man. Thanks to Chris Hall for joining me today for Move Your Mind. And just another reminder that the Move Your Mind book is now available at nickbrax.com book. You can join the Move Your Mind community by going to moveyourmind.me and you can buy a pair of underbracks and support mental health by going to www.underbracks.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.